KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. I try to not talk about work at family gatherings because I have to explain it so basically. We told my grandma I teach. Dating's pretty funny. <laughs> Got to explain what you do when you're dating. Uh, so that's always funny. When I first went to esports, I had people telling me when I quit my first job, telling me I was making the worst mistake of my life. So we'll see. It's going good so far. And our guest this week is Bill Rogers. He is the director of esports at Arcadia University. Esports exploding across the country, across the globe. And Arcadia, in only a few years, has really made an impact. And Bill, thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to kind of chat it up and talk a little bit about the uh, space and what we've done so far. So, director of esports, for people that aren't familiar, you are the head coach correct am i making a, a proper or is it a different type of classification <laughs> that's a it's a very loaded loaded topic uh is as you dig deeper into a lot of these things right now it does look a lot like a head coach across the country a lot of people are hiring an esports director they are doing the management the recruiting and the coaching um i think in the future it develops more into an administrative role where you're essentially the athletic director for esports and then coaches are under you but a lot of these programs are so new and these schools are just getting invested so right now it's it's more of a um, multiple hats kind of role where i do i do act as the head coach essentially Uh, but also oversee a lot of the administrative side of things. You have been with the esports program since it was instituted at Arcadia, correct? But you've only been in your current role since June of of 2021. Is my timeline correct? Yeah, so I can give you a little bit of the backstory as to how I kind of got here if you're interested. Sure. Yeah, so um, I was a student at Arcadia University. I was a member of the swim team, uh, so traditional college athlete here, uh, come from an athletic background, played sports my whole life. Um, junior, senior year of college, I got pretty into Hearthstone. It's a competitive card game. Um, and there was a collegiate league for it. I signed me and my roommates up. Uh, we played from our dorm room and that was essentially the first Arcadia esports team. Um, we did pretty darn well. We qualified for regionals, uh, which is top 32 in the Eastern half of the country. And then we couldn't play because all of our team was on the swim team. So we had to meet that day and <laughs> we, Arcadia had to forfeit its first, uh, regional, playoff opportunity. Uh, but as I graduated, I went on to work in a, uh, a marketing firm, a marketing fulfillment company. And ironically, I didn't feel very fulfilled. You know, I heard rumors of things happening at Arcadia University about esports, and I reached out to the right people and basically just got my foot in the door as the Hearthstone coach part-time. And quickly, uh, I was under the guidance of our former director, Tim Belloff, who really was the, the founder of this program. Really, this is his brainchild. All credit to Tim Belloff. He's the director of Institutional Technology at Arcadia. Fantastic leader. And I just started as the part-time Hearthstone coach, but more help was needed. And I came on as the part-time assistant director, which basically led to a lot of the recruiting efforts and really building out the day-to-day facility management, et cetera, et cetera. The day-to-day, how to make a program function. And then as the program grew and grew, it really needed a full-time member leading the charge and that ended up uh, being me for this year. So it's my first year full-time in the program. And, uh, you know, the the move to full-time is something I credit Arcadia for a lot. Um, A lot of these programs uh, are are looking to do the same thing. So Arcadia definitely doing its job to keep up in the industry. And and really, it is definitely a full-time job. Right now, it's the slower season and I still, I'm still 40, 45 hours in the middle of the season. It's, uh, 
it's a burner for sure. To the point of season, do you guys only compete in the fall? Is there a fall and a spring and a winter? Or I think when we first started going back and forth email and you talked about going into your off season. So mm-hmm. what would be considered the kind of the regular season, if you will, for esports at Arcadia? Yeah, traditionally it's uh, September to November, and then it picks up again at the end of January and goes till April. So it's two seasons. They're completely independent of each other. So you can have a fall championship and a spring championship. Uh, some teams will play over the summer. We do not do that. Some teams will have winter practices. We do not do that. We definitely try to make sure that they have that balance in that off season because the off season is something that's very important for every college athlete in general. I remember how how much I look forward to the off season. So I want to give my students the same thing. You mentioned Hearthstone. Digging into what you guys offer, you guys compete in six different games. Am I correct in esports? Uh, yes. So we compete in League of Legends, Overwatch, Rocket League, Hearthstone, Super Smash Brothers, and Rainbow Six Siege. We are always looking for the next move where uh, we're, we move a little bit slower than some other institutions in terms of adding games because we have a part time dedicated head coach for each game, which is a big differentiator for us, something we're really proud of. But it also, you know, when you look to hire a new game, it's not as easy as just getting five students together and saying, all right, you're a Valorant team, go after it. You know, we have to make sure that all those ducks uh, line up in a row. And that's what we're you know, always trying to do. To the point of the games, is it more you have to find a league or you pick the game and make it work from there? If you understand what I'm saying, like, yeah, do you, do you for from a competition standpoint, are there kind of standard games that you kind of have to plug into to to compete or can you pick a game and kind of grow it out from your direction yeah so one of the pillars of our deciding factor on what we wanted to do for games in order to get a game approved we have to prove that it has a sustainable competitive ecosystem in collegiate so you know games that we already have definitely have those leagues that compete and then it's kind of up for us to decide which leagues we compete in we're currently members of NACE which is the National Association of Collegiate Esports and the NECC National Esports Collegiate Conference I want to give them credit they do a good job um, and we're also working on competing in local competition as well we just helped run the Middle Atlantic Invitational which is basically the Middle Atlantic Conference which I'm sure you may be familiar with uh schools like Widener Arcadia Alvernia uh we just competed in the first ever um championship for that conference which hasn't officially been sanctioned yet but we're working on doing things like that i'm curious how many athletes do you have how many kids do you have in your program right now total uh around 50 so about 47 48 is that a fluid number Mm -hmm. depending upon how many games you're competing in and and what the season looks like the only limiting factor on ceiling is how many support staff we have. I mean, esports is incredible in the sense that you can enter multiple teams into multiple leagues, right? So I can have my A team for Rocket League and a B team and a C team and a D team, and they can all play their own full season, right? Yeah, they might not get all of the social media you know, accolades as the A team does, but you know, you look at a sport like lacrosse, sometimes people come to school for lacrosse, they don't touch the field for four years. It's not the same way for esports. So it really fosters like this dynamic of just blowing up the roster and making it massive. And then kind of just looking back to the school and being like, well, let's let's get more support to help uh, the, the students. And, you know, a school like Arcadia has been fantastic at that. Uh, we've definitely been upping our support over the years as the roster grows. And any school that is able to back that up should, should do really well in esports. Facility wise, what do you need to run a successful esports department in esports? group in the collegiate level i'd recommend at least 18 to 24 computers just to manage being able to play multiple games at the same time because you'll have nights where you know we've had nights where 
we got 30 some people in our, at our computer stations. And I couldn't imagine we have 46 PCs here at Arcadia. We're definitely blessed. We're definitely one of the nicer facilities that in there in the area for sure. So we have a lot of flexibility in terms of when we can practice other teams, not so lucky. You know, if you have 12 computers, you're going to be scrambling and really having to work scheduling a lot harder than I do. So I'd say 18 to 24, it's probably a sweet spot. Um, a slept on factor in an arena that I can recommend any school looking to build one is floor space. I think people underrate the value of floor space. They like love to throw computers in a room and then don't have a lot of floor space. So I don't know. That's a fun fact. (laughs) I'm very curious with traditional sports, when it comes to recruiting, there are hotbeds, you know, football, there are certain areas, Western Pennsylvania, Texas, California. There are places that coaches are always going to be on the list, regardless of what you need. Are there those types of areas when it comes to esports? Yeah, they're forming. I can say right now for Rocket League, we are living in a beautiful area for Rocket League players. Um, I have no shortage of Rocket League players on my recruiting list. I have no shortage of Rocket League players interested. Ironic, like funnily enough, League of Legends kind of struggles in this area just because, I mean, this is a very loaded topic, but there's a lot of schools that give, you know, full rides. And League of Legends is one of those games where your roster is going to have to be full rided if you want to compete at the top level. And not a lot of schools around here give those full rides. So I think League of Legends in the area is just generally weaker than a lot of other sports at the college level. Um, some of the bigger schools, the Drexels, the Temples, they, they, they throw together pretty good rosters, but um, that's just off of sheer student size. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're definitely sitting in like a Rocket League hotbed, Super Smash Brothers. You know, there's a really big Philadelphia circuit for Super Smash Brothers. It's all, it's all flowing as time goes by, too. It's all changing. It's, it's all year by year. What's the most common question you get from recruits when they're looking at your program? The good recruits are the ones that I don't want to talk to anymore. <laughs> Either or. Sometimes I get, all right, how much of a scholarship can I get? I'm like, all right, dude, like, cool. I got an email, one line said, tell me about esports scholarships. Guess who didn't, guess who I didn't answer, right? Like I, you know, I don't, I don't care about stuff like that, you know, cause we have scholarships, but like, if that's what you care about, like, I'm uh, not, I don't know, whatever. Um, but the good questions are, you know, things like, Hey, how is your school in this program? I really want to, you know, excel in this. How is what, how many, how many days a week are you practicing? What are the practices like? What are the matches like? How, how are the team? Like just anything about like how they feel any student that's really trying to get a gauge for how they're going to fit into the school. I'm confident they're going to fit in with our program just because we do have a very accepting program and a very, you know, a program that cares about each other. Take me through an average in-season day for an esports athlete at Arcadia. It is admittedly a little bit less than your traditional athlete schedule. And I'll be the first one to admit that because I did double six days a week for swimming, right? I was in the pool 30 hours a week. There's an innate level of allowing that flexibility to occur because, you know, I wasn't going in and swimming extra laps in my free time. And a lot of these students are going home and gaming anyway, right? So instead of doubling up and doing six days a week of doubles, we are doing four days a week of practice and then allowing that time for them to, you know, express themselves in gaming in their free time. We don't want to ruin gaming for them entirely. We want to help it be a resource for them to be successful students overall. So the typical day is, you know, they'll wake up. We really try to get them to schedule their classes in the morning. So hopefully they have a nice 8 a.m. class. The day's getting started. Um, and then right around 4 p.m., 
our open hours will end and varsity practices will start. So around 4 p.m., they'll come in. They might warm up an hour or two before a game. And then if they have practice, they'll either do film study or scrimmages or inner squad scrimmages or just 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 playing ranked games together. And then after that, it's usually just a nice little powwow about how the day went. Anything, you know, the, our coaches are all new and improving as well. So a lot of the time the coaches will ask for feedback and we're all just kind of growing together. So one thing is, you know, you're not building that cardio base like you are for other sports, right? Like if I take a day off of Rocket League, I'm probably going to be okay after five minutes of warming up again. Whereas I took, if I took a day off of swimming, I was out for two weeks until I came back to full, to full force. And it's just, people are collecting a lot of data behind it and, the college level, it's it's a little bit different than especially. I mean, at the pro level, these these gamers are playing you know full time job worth of worth of games. But we really really want them to be successful here, and that's something that we push. I'm curious because something I've noticed with people I know that game, they play the game, and then there is a very voracious appetite for watching videos of other people mm-hmm. playing the game, either instructional or fun or just how to. Is that something that's incorporated? Is it something you would watch? videos of maybe their previous performances where it went wrong where it went well or other people to kind of get tricks get get ideas yeah it depends on the game so hearthstone is a very strategy based game where repetition is key just getting the reps in one thing i did as the hearthstone coach was i set up basically a schedule of when the best players in the world were live streaming and just sent it to my team and said hey if you have an hour here today go watch this player if you have an hour here today go watch this player and that really helped they would come to me and be like oh well orange did this like orange is a player you know orange did xyz and i was like oh yeah i saw that that was great and you know really helped get them into the scene a little bit more and really understand what the game is um certain games you know you got to watch the pro level play league of legends right um that's a game where the pro scene is super developed and you'll learn a ton from watching the pro circuit and that usually goes on over the weekends for the players to watch so things like that our rocket league team is very good uh, they they play around that pro level so they just vod review a lot <laughs> and go over their games and they'll they'll watch some it really varies depending on the game but certain games benefit from watching live streams a ton and you know hearthstone strategy based games are one of them you talk about all the computers you have and stuff like that and obviously your the whole lifeblood is you know online do you have to take special precautions from a cybersecurity or just making sure everything is working like it should? Is there like a whole nother level that you have to deal with that maybe the average person with the computer doesn't have to? Yeah. I mean, I, you always got to take your precautions. I won't comment too much about the specifics that we do or don't do. Cause you know, that would make the point. Right. <laughs> um, but I do say all the time, uh, I tell my bosses, you hired an esports coach or esports director, not an IT guy. So I work directly with IT and they teach me a lot. Right. Cause I don't know. I didn't go, I went to school for business. Right. I don't know IT. Um, so sometimes the computers will have hiccups and you have to make sure that they're working properly and stuff. But yeah, it's definitely something that's like, you know, I'm probably the, the last person on the list that you have to worry about clicking a phishing email. Let's put it that way. So you're definitely, you're always got to be concerned and you're always looking out. We do, we do take precautions here as well to make sure that these things are running. I mean, you got a lot of powerful computers in there. Um, so it is a hot button place for someone to, to do something crazy. Getting back to the recruiting aspect, we talked about like certain areas. How do you find your players? Are they just individuals who play at home or with their buddies? Mm-hmm. You know, are they part of leagues, organizations, competitions, not even at maybe at the like organized high school against high school, but at that age group, what kind of pond are you fishing out of? Yeah, it was super difficult at first when the high school leagues weren't really as, as, as functional and, you know, 
incorporated into, you know, a legitimate process that's starting to help. So we were basically just scouring the internet for the first two years and basically just posted up at every open house. Cause there is a lot of overlap between the student that wants to come to Arcadia and the student who likes esports. There is definitely an overlap there. And we've seen that in the past. Those are the people that are like the backbone of the program that are really, really helpful because uh, they're super passionate. Um, and then we've worked with a company named uh, Stay Plugged In. I cannot shout them out enough. They are a recruitment organization that will basically, they'll interview the students and then they'll kind of match make them with schools that kind of fit the description of what they're looking for. And you just meet with them and you work with them. And yeah, you know, it, it's very competitive when you're recruiting one of those students because they're talking to about 10 other schools, but you're going to end up with students that are a good fit. And they, they, they really care about the students as well. Like they have follow-up calls with me asking how the students that ended up in my school are doing, right? Like they're not just looking for a paycheck. They're, they're a really good organization. They've helped us out a lot. Organizations like that, you know, going to local events that are now popping up with the high school championships is super crucial. Uh, working with your local high schools to see, you know, who's interested or they're all big factors, but it's really, you know, I started this job at technically, I think I was still 22 years old and it was kind of just like, Hey man, good luck. Like not, you know, they, they tried, but you know, it's not the same as swimming recruiting. I helped recruit for swimming for six years and it's just not the same. Uh, it's just, it's just all over the place. But once you crack the code, it gets, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, I don't have my recruiting quota all, all, all crunched out yet, so I don't want to say it's easy, but, you know, it's uh, it starts to work itself out. You talk about the group that helps you with recruiting as far as connecting you. Are there like, because I know specifically like with football, here are Group X's top 50 linebackers and where they're going and stuff like that. Is esports to the point at the collegiate level where there are people putting together lists like that, like prospect lists? No, that'd be cool. There's been talks to with with some other directors across the country of like helping to work create like a database of like a ranking system for recruits. So it's like a nationally known thing. That way it would make more sense to say our bosses when we bring in a five-star recruit, right? Because sometimes like we bring in some really good talent and like it's tough for the rest of the department to understand the level of talent that we're bringing in. But, you know, they have rankings in games. So like for me to recruit them, I kind of understand where they're at without that nationally known like five-star ranking because you know they are grand champion in rocket league or you know grandmaster in league of legends like i get that that's pretty good it's fascinating to me because one of the reasons i wanted to do this interview recently at our station we did a panel talking about sports media and wanting to get into it and when we opened it up to questions to a room full of high school kids the first question was about esports I kind of knew this anecdotally, but when you kind of see it face to face, this is something that's exploding. And I don't think a lot of people realize how it's exploding. Am I correct? Yeah. So it's, it really started taking off right before the pandemic. And I think it kind of grew in the shadows a little bit uh, for a lot of the high schoolers, right? Because they didn't have their traditional sports. They didn't go to school per se, right? They did online schooling and they started playing a lot more games. And, you know, this is uh, esports was going to do well either way. I'm not one of those people that's going to say the pandemic, like save esports or anything, but you definitely took a lot of very dedicated student athletes and they weren't able to play their traditional sports. And I think they started to take this a lot more seriously and you will see, you know, that kind of boom in the next couple of years. And it's just good every way you look at it um, in terms of what esports can do for a community. You know, I'm from um, Paulsboro, New Jersey. So, I mean, not the best area, right? Um, I, I went to a private high school instead of Paulsboro high school. And I think about five to seven kids in my grade ended up graduating, going all the way through college. 
right? And those were the really good athletes or really smart. And esports can create an opportunity for someone who is not a really good athlete, right? Uh, traditionally speaking. So it's a whole other avenue for people to take seriously and kind of get them out of places that they don't want to be. So that's something I'm really passionate about in the esports front. And I think not a lot of people talk about it. Where do you see the growth the most? Is it overall in just the number of kids that are interested? Do certain games grow at faster rates? Is there an ebb and flow? Maybe something gets really popular for a year, 18 months, and then all of a sudden something else comes on? Or how do you kind of manage that? Because, you know, like other soccer, soccer. The, yeah. game, the X's yeah. and O's may change and philosophies, but soccer, soccer, or yeah. something like this, there are so many options. I would imagine it's sometimes kind of a moving target. Yeah, it's crazy. Developers own the games, right? Which really throws a wrench in what you can do for a lot of things. No one owns basketball, right? You can just play basketball, but in order to play Overwatch, you have to allow Blizzard, Blizzard has to allow the league to run the league. So it gets really crazy. And games like Overwatch kind of are declining in popularity over the next last couple of years when games like Valorant are on the rise. And, you know, you really have to keep your finger on the pulse of a lot of these things, because if you just kind of just found like a program with four teams and don't blink for 10 years, like you're going to be underwater because you're not keeping your finger on the pulse. I say it all the time. My job at Arcadia is to be told no as many times as possible because I'm the only one here who's got my finger on the pulse for my full-time job. So I need to be bringing up, hey, we need to do this. Hey, we should do this. Hey, we should look into this. And their answer as an athletic department who, you know, manages budgets and is trying to keep, you know, everything else afloat is no, no, no. Yes. How do we make this happen? Right. So that's like, if I'm doing my job correctly, that's what the environment looks like. And so that's just keeping that finger on the pulse and really trying to make sure that these games stay alive. Um, What's really funny is sometimes there's balance changes in the middle of the season which is like the equivalent. It's not even like a rule change. It's like a fundamental game change. It's like if before the championship in basketball, they were like, yo, by the way, three pointers are way too powerful. We're just going to remove the three point line, move it to half court. If you shoot it from behind half court, it's finally worth three. Like it's, and the ball's a square now. Like that's how like it, it really changes everything. So the coaches are just like, I went on like a 14 hour gaming session just to like get my team prepared one time with some of these rule changes, which I'm sure some people out there can hear and be like, Oh, he's the luckiest guy ever. He got to play for 14 hours. Eh, you know, <laughs> it's not bad. I'm not, so, I'm not digging holes, which is nothing wrong with digging holes, but I'm not good at it. About how many ballpark varsity programs are there in the country at this point? A couple hundred, I think might be closer to a thousand now. I know there's about, 500 some 700 some member institutions of NACE, which is like the equivalent of a varsity institution. So I think you're about that ballpark number. Everybody has their own menu of games that yep. they specialize in, right? Yep. And certain schools just invest harder than other schools. Like there's your full ride schools. There's your no scholarship schools. There's schools like Arcadia that sit like very comfortably in the middle, which is, you know, I'm, I'm happy with that dynamic. Do you enjoy video games as much now as you did three, four years ago. I always ask this of people when it kind of becomes mm-hmm. a job and mm-hmm. it becomes a have to, not in a bad way, but it's just, mm-hmm. does it take some of the fun out of doing it, you know, on a Sunday afternoon with a buddy where you kind of need to get away from it? The short answer is probably no, I don't enjoy games as much as I used to. The long answer is 
I found games that have nothing to do with this. And I play those instead in my free time. I am a super massive World of Warcraft nerd. And I play that game all the time. And it has nothing to do with esports and it has nothing to do with competitive gaming. Anything with a ranked ladder that is competitive, I enjoy less than I used to just because of like the grind of oh being the best X, Y, Z. It's just like anything, you know, it's like, oh, I played basketball my whole life. I coach basketball, but like now I play golf. Like it's like, you know, something like that. It's the same kind of equivalent. It's like, I just play a different game. Uh, so I still do love, you know, I get so into whatever I'm doing, which is kind of how I got this job in the first place. So I'm not a very good casual at anything. Time for a break on one-on-one. We will have more with Bill Rogers, director of eSports at Arcadia University, right after this. And we are back on one-on-one, continuing our conversation with Arcadia University director of eSports, Bill Rogers. What is the professional ceiling for, quote-unquote, your average eSports competitor? If they take part in eSports at Arcadia for four years, they graduate from school. When I talk with basketball, you know, you're talking about going NBA or going overseas Mm. or whatever. What does the market look like for the average eSports competitor that wants to try to cash in on their success? The average eSports player should come get their degree. They should come get their degree. They should go to school for whatever they want to go to school for. A lot of people, I thought this was a stereotype, but it's just true. A lot of people are interested in computer science. I think that's an amazing degree to come get. We have a great program here. A lot of schools have great programs as well. Realistically, you're going to want to do that instead. You're going to want to enjoy your four years, get a scholarship, get a good education, and then play casually after that. There are some select few who move into the semi-pro scene. I played Hearthstone semi-professionally. It's not it's not great. You're going to get a lot of contracts that are really sketchy. and you know A lot of people that are doing XYZ. Um, in a lot of games, it's the same way. The amateur scenes are, you know, people make semi-careers off the amateur scene and then they get dropped off at 26, 27 years old with no degree. And then you have your select few, right? You have your select few that go pro and make good money. Um, but even then, sometimes it's a good salary and then you're dropped off at 27 again with no. The careers are really short. Like a lot of these players retire at 25 right? Just because their reflexes don't keep up, which is a crazy statistic that like the average esports career ends earlier than like the average football career is like a crazy statistic for me. Yeah. I'd say your average player should really be pivoting towards collegiate at this point. Like it should be, it's a very achievable goal. Whereas, you know, when I was playing league of legends at 14 years old, there was like a 0% chance I was going to go pro. Um, But when these kids are playing now at 14, 15 years old, they can look at esports programs and Pretty much if they're willing to practice and willing to get better, there's a program out there that will take them, regardless of their skill level. I talked about how it's exploding, and I don't mean this specifically within Arcadia, but just as someone who's involved in esports for a living, do you have to do a lot of of sell jobs of what you do? And I don't mean so much into recruiting. There are a Mm -hmm. lot of people out there that hear people going to school for esports and they'll be eye rolling and well that's not really a sport and back when i was in college yada 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 is that something you're constantly fighting or have we really (laughs) has there been kind of a a shift in how this is viewed to where you're not getting nearly as many of those eye rolls anymore uh yeah i don't get as many eye rolls as i used to i try to not talk about work at family gatherings because i have to explain it so basically uh my grand we told my grandma i might teach um Dating's pretty funny. <laughs> Got to explain what you do when you're dating. Uh, so that's always funny. 
but you know, once the, once like the director title got tacked on and it's like, I work full time, I, people start to understand that I'm doing a lot of work and they, they respect that uh, even if they don't fully understand it. When I first went to esports, I had people telling me when I quit my first job, telling me I was making the worst mistake of my life. Like people who were very successful, like very successful business people told me I was making the worst mistake of my life. So we'll see. It's, it's going good so far. Uh, I'm still young. I'm still really young for this job. I'm 24 years old. Um, so, you know, like even my peers in the industry are, you know, 28 to 30. Um, so we'll see, uh, but it's going well so far. The Sigma is starting to change a little bit. We'll see though. To that point, you talked about the career of an esports competitor being so, so short because of the nature of what you're dealing with. Do you think that average age for people like in your position will raise over time? Or do you think this is always going to be an avenue for 20 to 35 year olds at that part of their life? You know, if you and I are talking 25 years Mm -hmm. from now. You know, do you think there will be a generation, the generation that's doing what you do now will still be doing it? Or do you think we will see constant turnover kind of staying in that lane? So I certainly hope so. I certainly hope that I'm still doing something like this in the next, I I love what I do um, in the next 25 years, right? I will say I'm familiar with the community as a whole. And um, in order for that to happen, there will need to be more support at the university level across the country. This is not a specific knock at Arcadia at all. Arcadia does a great job at working with what I do and working with what we need. Um, But across the country, it's even worse. A lot of directors are very overworked. You know, like I said in the beginning, they're doing a coaching job and a directing job and the ecosystem just doesn't support them as well, where, you know, a lot of these leagues in traditional sports, there's a lot less work to do in order to compete. There's a lot that goes into what we all do. So I think unless the support comes and, you know, there's a director and a full-time assistant director. If that happens and there's more support, I think you're going to see a lot of the same faces around. Um, if not, I think that a lot of the faces you see in the collegiate esports space, it, it could be a young man's game for a long time. Let's put it that way. It really depends on the level of support that different schools want to put into it. Right. Um, I think I answered that. No, you did. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, because it's, think- it's a hot button issue. Actually, I'll, I'll give you a quick reference. This is already public information. The, director over at Winthrop University, which is the, you know, across the board, top five program in the country. Director just stepped down this year. Just, I can't do it anymore. I'm working too many hours. I am nearing the end of my twenties and I need to focus on other places in my life. And they said, quote, I'm going back to a normal nine to five just because it's less work and they need to focus on other things. So, you know, that's a, and that, that was something that was received with a lot of people going, I get it. So that gives you a perfect example of kind of what I was getting at. To that point, as this continues to grow, what are some other challenges? And I don't mean this specifically at Arcadia, but Mm -hmm. for the collegiate esports in general, what are some of the big hurdles that are going to have to be cleared over the next five, 10 years that maybe we haven't touched on to not just grow programs, but to grow acceptance, have it become more mainstream, have it become mentioned in the same conversations as a lot of other sports? What are some things that have to happen? Yeah, five, 10 years, it's going to be an interesting time. Again, support in the staffing sector. I mean, football teams with 80 players have, what, seven coaches, right? You know, we're looking at 80-person esports programs, one to two coaches. Uh, it's just not the same amount of support. A lot of these conferences are all kind of vying for competitive space. It's it's a bit of a land grab at the, at the competitive level right now. 
in terms of competition, like where people compete, someone will win that. And that will look very interesting to see what the space will look like. Eventually, someone's going to have to figure out how to monetize this at an actually high level, as opposed to just recruitment. You know, schools like Arcadia are going to thrive off esports for the next 10 years because, you know, it's an incredible recruitment tool. But, you know, why is a school like Penn State going to invest in esports? The same reason they invest in football. Eventually, that will happen and the land grab will occur. Um, which is why I'm really glad that we're not a school that offers full rides, because if we're a school that invested super heavily into full rides and then five years from now, I'm like, hey, pal, do you want to come to Arcadia or Penn State? Like, it's going to be a tough call, you know, whereas, you know, we're, we're, we're very specifically targeted right now to survive like the next 10 years in collegiate sports. It's going to be a very interesting time. and I'm super excited for it, but there's going to be a lot of hurdles, especially when I, I call it the collegiate sports land grab. When all of the big 10 schools, when all of these schools really start to push varsity programs. Who's going to survive is going to be a great question. When you guys compete, are you doing it in a room, in a gym? Do people come out and watch? How does that work? Because I've seen some videos of some of these global competitions, and it's bonkers with guys mm-hmm. coming in like they're professional wrestlers. And I mean that in a in a good way. There's pageantry mm-hmm. and there's yep. – how do you guys do it at the collegiate level? Yeah, so day-to-day we compete in the arena right behind us. Uh, a lot of the championships will happen in person when, you know, we're not in a COVID time. Esports will always be the last to go back in person because we can do it virtually. So we will be back last because it's like an ethical dilemma of like, if you can do it online, why go in person? Um, like we actually came back a whole semester after all the other sports. Like we stayed online for the spring semester of last year while everyone else started to like kind of come back. But we do have spectator seating. We just did spectator seating for the first time uh, for like that conference championship. And we had the whole lacrosse team across the wall just going bonkers every time the Rocket League team scored. And that stuff is awesome. Like that's the stuff we want to keep pushing. And that's the stuff that like, you know, gets my blood pumping. I think it's super cool. So if we can kind of keep stuff like that up, we'll have a whole viewing section for, for every week. I don't care. We'll do it all the time. You obviously love what you do, but how exciting is it to kind of be, you know, this isn't brand new esports, but this is almost like we're going west of the Mississippi, you know, in, mm-hmm. in 1840. Like, it's, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we kind of have an idea what it's going to look like. But how exciting slash scary is that? I feel like I have a pocket full of Bitcoin in like 2008. It's kind of what I feel like right now. Like I have, you know, four years of experience in an industry that's really only like five years old. So if the industry blows up, like. You know, eventually I'll have 20 years of experience in a 21-year-old industry. So it's super exciting uh, to see kind of where things go. But, yeah, I think the pocket of Bitcoin is a great analogy. You know, if you had a pocket of Bitcoin in 2008, you're sitting pretty cozy right now. So I'm hoping that, you know, 20 years from now it looks the same. But we'll have to see. Do a lot of the people above you, do they get what you need because it's it's such a, a new thing? And within an athletic department, it is yeah. kind of different than – everybody else you know do they understand where the pressure points are in your sport and what you need and when you need it and stuff like that or is that kind of an ongoing conversation and i mean this in good faith where everybody's just trying to learn kind of how it works i have a department that is very willing to learn which is fantastic any athletic director five years ago that told you they knew about esports was lying right no one knew how this worked no even three years ago we started our program no one knew how this worked. I did not know how this worked, right? I would be lying to you if I said I still knew all the answers, right? Everything I said about a land grab could be completely wrong. Who knows, right? My my department is willing to listen and willing to work with me, which is fantastic. Like this year, we've finally, you know, really broken ground on a lot of stuff that I've wanted to 
really push uh, is the agenda of like the program. And, you know, it, a lot of it comes down to metrics and numbers and budgetary stuff. And if, if, if they're willing to speak that language with me, I'm more than willing to have that conversation. It's, it's really all about how open-minded your administration is. Arcadia has a fantastic administration in the sense that they work very analytically, right? Which is a good thing at the, at the collegiate level, because you don't want your athletic department to be, you know, accidentally hemorrhaging money because the esports program wanted to do X, Y, Z. I think there's a lot of organizations out there who, you know, have very ambitious directors of athletics that are willing to kind of just do whatever with esports. And that's fun. That's awesome. It would be very fun to work with someone like that. But it would, I think in the long term, it's better to work with someone who kind of makes me, for lack of a better term, jump through all the regular hoops that like a traditional sports team would have to jump through. Uh, like we follow more rules than any other esports program in the country. And I'm really proud of that because the more rules get, get, you know, instilled over the next 20 years, I'm ready for, it. you know, very by the book, but also willing to, you know, look at the data and kind of learn how things work as well. Bill Rogers, director of esports at Arcadia University. Thanks so much for joining me with this. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank Bill Rogers, the director of esports at Arcadia University, for being our guest this week. If you like the show and you want to help us out, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave us a rating and a review. Now, you can follow the show on Twitter at one on one pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at MattLeon1060. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to join us again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.